going to be looking at Matthew chapter 26, verses 38 through 40. Matthew 26, 38 through 40. And it is on the screen. It says, Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Wait here and, and, and pray with me. And he, being Jesus, he went a little further. And he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want. Not my will, but, but yours. And he comes to his disciples and he finds them asleep and he says to Peter, What? Could you not watch? Could you not pray with me just one hour? You can be seated this morning. This morning, our text places us alongside Christ and his disciples during an untold, a, a, a night of untold spiritual consequence. And, and unimaginable pressure and unthinkable pain. It was a night characterized by the sound of soldiers marching and the smell of torches blazing and the taste of blood, sweat, and tears mingling in the sight of his disciples sleeping. That night, Gethsemane's garden became the venue for our interceding Christ as he cried out in agony. It was the stage upon which Judas Iscariot would reveal his true nature, and it was the backdrop of our Christ's darkest hour. And though the master knew the battle that would soon rage and the pain he would soon endure, the betrayal he would soon experience. Your Bible, same as mine, says that as the disciples slept, he, Jesus, went a little further. And this morning, it's this phrase that's really captured my mind, arrested my attention, and it's convicted my heart. In the original Greek, this word, just a little further, this phrase, it's a word, and it is makron, and it simply means a small space of time or a degree. A space of time or a degree. You see, when the night was darkest and his followers were fast sleeping, when the pressure was at its greatest and his sweating had turned to bleeding, it was then, Scripture tells us, that Jesus the Christ, he pushed just a little further. And this morning I want to talk to you with that topic in mind, just a little further. Just a little further. I would begin by saying, I love the church. I love the church. Do you love the church? I love our kingdom family. I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. I love our wildlife kids. I love our students. I love our pastors. I love our worship. Wasn't this awesome? I love our deep hunger for God. I love each and every one of you. I love the church. If you love the church, say amen. With that being said, I would continue by saying I hate the devil. 
I hate the lies that he tells. I hate the suffering that he has caused. I hate the accusations that he brings. I hate the sin that in some way, in some form, in some fashion has touched each of our lives. And contrary to popular belief, this here, here you go, I'm about to blow your mind. This Christian life, it's not a playground. It's a battlefield. And so, our adversary... He's been called the great dragon, the serpent of old, the accuser of the brethren, Lucifer, Satan, the devil himself. The Bible says that he walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. His goal is to steal your God-promised future. It's to kill hopes, dreams, and aspirations. It's to destroy families, lives, and potential and to devour anything and everything that may be left. And over the many years that he's roamed this planet, Satan has stalked his prey. He's honed his abilities and he's perfected his skills as our enemy. Our adversary desires to bring adversity into our lives. Someone say, duh. However, while it's true that in this life we are destined to be assaulted and we are guaranteed of attack, it is also true that Jesus did not leave us in this world void of power or of hope. Rather, he said, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. It's in James 4, 7 that we are promised if we will resist the devil that he will flee from us. Ephesians says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, each other, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. Here it is, spiritual wickedness. In high places and owing to this, we take unto ourselves the whole armor of God so that we may be able to withstand. And having done all to stand, we just keep on standing. You see, how you respond to your adversity, your trial, and your temptation, it will make you or it will break you. It will determine your success and your survival in this spiritual struggle. And this morning, I have come to tell LifePoint Church to submit a simple but powerful thought. And it is this, that though the night be dark and the day is cloudy, Even though the pain is great and the pressure is crushing, when the lamp seems dim and the source feels dry, when the victory is delayed and the circumstance is stayed, it's in these moments that we must look to Christ as our perfect example and say, just a little further, just a little further. Someone say amen. Amen. Life point. Now is not the time to throw in the towel. It is not time to call it quits. It's not time to give in or give up. Now is not the time for sleep. No, no. Now is the time to wake up, to buckle down, grit your teeth, squeeze your fist, and let hell and it's all its inhabitants know that I am pushing through. I am pressing on in the power and hope of Jesus Christ. As the Bible says, I press Towards the mark of the prize. Just a little further. 
Say it with me just a little further. Within the pages of the Old Testament, tucked away in the writings of Joshua, we read the story of Jericho, its mighty walls, and how they crumbled. Archaeologists and historians, they tell us that the walls of that heavily fortified ancient city, that they would have been around six feet thick and 26 feet tall. However, due to the city's strategic location atop a hill, the walls would have stood a staggering 46 feet tall, making it for the children of Israel virtually impenetrable. Still, with the odds seemingly stacked against them and the impossible daily before them, with the literal shadow of their situation covering their homes and their children each and every day, and certainly with the inhabitants of that godless city mocking them every step of the way, Israel began to do what God told them to do. Amen. Joshua 6, come past the city, go around about it for six days. Logan, Tyler, would you run up here? Would you all run up here real quick, real quick? Go around the city, walk around it, do this for, do this for six days. Oh, you guys are my example. You want to come on up here? This is Jericho. Look how tall it is. <laughs> this is Jericho. Go around Jericho. Go around it for six days. So, I'm sure you can imagine days go by. They're walking, walking, walking. Walk, 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 walk. They're walking around the city. They're walking around the city. Days go by. Hours go by. Minutes go by. Y'all are doing great. They're walking around the city. They're walking around the city. And certainly you can hear more than a few of the Israelites saying, hang on. Say, well, we did this yesterday. Well, we did this yesterday. And we did it the day before that. 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 And nothing has happened. Right? We've come past the city time and again, still nothing. We're doing what we're supposed to do, but there's, there's not a crack in that wall. There's not even a scratch on that wall. And we're doing what we're supposed to. But every day, Joshua would gather the people together. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. Hey, hey, just keep walking. Just keep walking. Just keep praying. Just keep reading the word. Just keep going to church. Just keep living right. Just keep trusting God. And finally... On the seventh day, Joshua tells the people, hey, today, we're going to have to walk around the wall just a little farther than before. Give my assistants a hand. Didn't they do a great job walking around the wall? (laughs) So proud of them. That last day, he said, today, we're going to have to walk around just a little 
further. The Bible says, and it came to pass on that seventh day that they arose early at the dawning of the day and they compassed the city after the same manner. That means they did just as they had done all the days prior. Only on that day they compassed the city, not once, not twice, but seven times. Verse 16 says, and it came to pass that on that seventh day when the priest blew the trumpet, Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. And the people shouted with a great shout. And at that, the walls came crumbling down. Hear me this morning. It might look like nothing is happening. It might look like your prayers aren't working, like your battle will never be won, but I've come with a message just a little further, just a little further. This church can worship walls down, can push the kingdom of darkness back, can pray heaven to earth, and this morning I'm standing on the word knowing that I can trust him even when I can't track him. So let God be true and every man a liar. Sickness, it is written. By his stripes we are healed. Finances, it is written. He will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Emotions, it is written. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost today, it's your day. Because the Bible says this promise, this Holy Ghost, it is unto you. It's for your children. It's for your grandchildren. It's for all that are afar off. Listen, though he slay me, yet will I trust. Him, Because I know that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against it. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Upon this rock I will build my church and hell it will not win. Someone say amen. I wish in faith right now someone would release a shout that would be a wall-crumbling, hell-shaking, chain-breaking shout. If we faint not, if we don't lose heart, brother, don't quit. Sister, don't give up. Just a little further. Say it with me. Just a little Someone shout amen. Amen. It's in the 18th chapter of Luke's gospel that we stumble across the parable of the persistent widow. She just won't stop. Can I be real with you for a second? Is that okay? She just won't shut up. It says, there was in a city a judge ruler who feared not God, neither regarded a man. And there was a widow in the city, and she came unto him saying, avenge me of my adversary, my adversary. But he would not. And afterward he said within himself, though I fear not God, 
and I don't regard man, yet because this widow, she troubles me, she bothers me, she won't leave me alone, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she would weary me. To recap our parable, it says that the world and its system, it's corrupt. And the main character is herself a synonym or a type of helplessness. The odds are stacked against her, and we see that she also has an adversary. This sounds eerily familiar. And with no other place to go, with no other person to turn to, she decides if there truly is no other who will hear my case. Who will lend ear to my request or hearken unto my cry? I will simply have to come back day after day and week after week and month after month and year after year. And so it is that this persistent widow overcame not by her own power or position the victory she experienced that came only by her persistence. And this truth, of course, it can be seen in Luke's explanation of Jesus' parable. In the last verse, he says, and he spake, Jesus said this parable unto them to this end, that men always pray and not faint. This morning, I could stand before you and I could speak of Elijah's servant who was told, I'm praying for rain. Now go up and look for a cloud. Not once, not twice, not three times, but seven times the servant had to go and look for the cloud. And finally in verse 44, it came to pass that at the seventh time, he said, behold, I see a little cloud the size of a man's hand. I could stand up here and I could tell you about Naaman the leper who was told by the prophet, go and dip yourself in the Jordan. Not once. Not twice, not three, but seven times. Second Kings 5 and verse 14 tells us that when Naaman went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the prophet, that he came back in his flesh was made clean like the flesh of a little child. I could tell you about Daniel, who after praying and fasting 21 days, finally received his word that he had been waiting for. Hear me, if we faint not, if we purpose within ourselves to be persistent, if we ask until it's answered, if we seek until it's found, if we knock until it's opened, eventually the wall will fall, the body will be made whole, and the reign of his spirit will come down don't stop now fight the good fight of faith if the wall hasn't crumbled keep on walking if the body isn't cleansed keep on dunking if the rain isn't pouring keep on praying if the doctor's report is still negative if the account is still overdrawn if the right person hasn't come along if the kids are going crazy if the depression lingers if the direction remains unclear, if the battle continues to rage, just keep shouting, just keep praising, 
Just keep praying. Just keep worshiping. Just keep coming to church. Just keep reading your Bible. Just keep living right. I think I'll take my cues from Jesus Christ. I think I'll even amp up the intensity of my prayer. I think I'll even amp up the intensity of my praise. Just a little further. Just a little further. Just a little further. Just a little further. Shout it with me. Just a Amen. Clap your hands and give God the praise right now. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. I thank you for your promises. I thank you for your blessings. I thank you for never giving up on me. I thank you that no matter how far I went or how bad things got, you never gave up on me. Amen. You can be seated. While Scripture records for us the stories who did, in fact, go just a little further. It it also allows us to see those who perhaps stopped just a little too soon. Upon receiving the word of the Lord concerning the, the fate of the city of Sodom, the great patriarch Abraham, he, give, he begins pleading with God on, on, on Sodom's behalf. It's in Genesis 18 that Abraham begins, and he starts by saying, Oh God, if there are 50 righteous people in the city, will you spare the city for 50 righteous? And the Lord said, If I find 50, I'll spare the city. And Abraham answered and said, Behold, I've taken upon me to speak to the Lord, which I am but dust and ashes, But peradventure that there shall lack five of the fifty. Will you you spare the city for forty and five? And God said, for forty and five, I will not destroy the city. The conversation continues with Abraham walking humbly yet boldly before the Lord and God putting his great mercy on display. From fifty... 45, 45 to 40, to 30, to 20. From 20 to 10, Abraham negotiates with God for the city of Sodom. Will you spare the city for 10 righteous people? And God said, for 10's sake, I will not destroy the city. And it is here at 10 righteous that Abraham stops. The failure to continue, the failure to go just a little further, it's not found within God's mercy, but it is found within man's persistence. For there was in that city one righteous man. You see, Peter in his epistle said that God delivered righteous Lot. Abraham could have gone just a little further and God would have said, for one's sake, I will spare it for one. But he stopped. Directly before the prophet Elijah died, he met with Joash, king of Israel, concerning the nation of Syria. It was an enemy nation. And the Bible tells this odd story of, 
King Joash and how he stopped just a little too soon. It, it, it reads, observe the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of the deliverance from Syria. God will deliver you from your enemy that you'll smite the Syrians down and they will be utterly consumed. God will wipe out your enemy. And he said, take these arrows. And the king took them. And he said, hit the arrows on the ground. And he said, okay. And he went one, two, three. And the Bible says he stopped. And the man of God, the prophet, he was very angry with the king. And he said, you should have hit the arrows down on the ground five or six times. Because if you would have gone just a little further, God would have completely wiped out your enemy. But you stopped just a little too soon. Let it not be said of us that they didn't experience all God had planned. That they didn't walk in all God had made available. They didn't receive all that God had for them simply because they failed to go just a little further. Listen, it might be the longest night. It might be the darkest hour. It might be the fight of my life but I will not stop praying. I will not stop standing. I will not stop dancing and shouting and resisting coming to church. Satan can roar and he can rage, but I've decided that I'm going just a little further. Is there anyone that's decided that you're going just a little further? Is there anyone in the house that has decided, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? Amen. Why don't you stand with me right now? There's a story. John Killinger retells from the Atlantic Monthly about taming horses in the days of the great western cattle ranches. He says this in his story, he says, A little burrow would sometimes be harnessed to a wild steed, bucking and raging, convulsing like drunken sailors. The two would be turned loose to proceed onto the desert range. They could be seen disappearing over the horizon, the great steed dragging that little burrow alongside and throwing him about. They might be gone for days, but eventually they would come back. The little burrow would be seen first trotting back across the horizon, leading this great submissive steed in tow. Somewhere out there on the rim of the world, that steed would have become exhausted from trying to get rid of the burrow. And in that moment, the burrow would take mastery and become leader. He goes on and he says, and so it is with the kingdom and its heroes, isn't it? The battle goes to the determined, not the outraged, to the committed, not the dramatic. Listen to me, please. If you hear anything that I've said today, hear this. I've come to preach to someone who has just a little strength left. I've come to preach to someone who you may feel like you're at your wit's end. I've come to preach to someone 
who's almost given up hope, who's been fighting a battle for so very long without ever experiencing a decisive victory, who's prayed prayers for a long time, but you have not yet received. You may not understand it all, but I want to remind you that you can trust him even when you can't track him. You can trust him even when you can't track him. We don't understand it all, but he's up there and he's cheering you on. Come on, just a little further. Come on, just a little further. And just as Christ's darkest night became our brightest hope, so in my darkest moment will he ever shine brightest. And so, until my breakthrough comes, until these walls have fallen, until this battle is won and the night is done, with my final breath, if I must, I'll continue saying, just a little further, just a little further. For I know that if I can but stay in this race and continue fighting this good fight, that one day I will hear him say, well done, well done, thy good and faithful. But until that day, just a little further, just a little further, just a little further. Come on, daughter, just a little further. Come on, son, just a little further. I know you're in pain. I know you're hurting, but just a little further. Is there anyone that would come out of your seat right now and flood these altars and throw your hands heavenward and worship and praise the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords.